All right, here we go, folks. It is Friday, June 30, 2023. Coming at you uh, with another dose of your weekly common sense uh, at commonsenseohioshow.com. So if you haven't subscribed, you can just go to commonsenseohioshow.com, subscribe right there. And then what do you do? Well, what you do is you, you, you download every episode, you like every episode, you share them with your neighbor, and you don't do that just for a favor for us. You do it because our show is awesome. And everybody is out there starving for common sense. So if you see your neighbor and he's miserable, cutting his grass, wearing his headphones, with his head down, you know what he needs? Common sense. <laughs> and we are here to deliver it. We got Norm, we got Brett, and I am coming at you from mid-Ohio. Norm, you should, we, we, I don't know how we've switched places. Here, yes. I'm up at the races. Norm is at the studio. Right. But uh, that's all right. Uh, that's a Norm, reversal. Wasn't good it, enough to come up here. It's like an alternative world. <laughs> that, that is totally a reversal of fortunes, and I salute you, my man. That is awesome yeah, so, place to be. Uh, let's let's get right to it, guys. I know there's lots going on. I mean, Householder, boy, he got jackhammered. But uh, aside from that, Norm, I'll let you take it. Well, to me, now this is perhaps my my own personal fascination with this issue. I have a long, long history involving myself, my positions on this issue, and you know, even uh, my children, and that is the topic of affirmative action. And um, uh, yeah, I, I, I it, it, it is the most epic thing. I mean, it is Dobbs level, you know, like the overturning of Roe. Uh, this decision yesterday could have an, an incredible. Um, effect on other affirmative action uh, areas. So this is this decision, you know, unfortunately, the way our legal system works, the way the court hands down decisions, this is specific to the topic of admissions to universities and colleges. I wish that the court had uh, been a little broader in its uh, opinion, but it's confined to admissions. Uh, the you know naturally we have affirmative action in scholarships, promotions, hiring. Uh, you know in the in the jobs market, uh, there are there are affirmative action targets that the court left intact. You know you can still you can't use race to decide whether or not a student yes, no, can attend a university, be admitted. But you can still, per the decision, per a caveat written in there by Roberts, who wrote the uh, majority 6-3 opinion, um, he, he said it can be, race can be part of a person's story. So if a person grew up in some kind of, uh, uh, terribly biased community and they they and their story is that they overcame and they you know but somehow um, their race is a factor in their story that that can be considered by the admissions committee but their race itself cannot be considered so there's a little there's a little nuance to their decision but overall it, basically, two wrongs do not make a right. So the fact that there was historical uh, bias doesn't mean that today, uh, 50, 60 years after affirmative action you know, started, 
they've come full circle, and now we're back to what the 14th Amendment really says, which was to protect freed blacks. Ironically, that was a purpose of the 14th Amendment. Now the 14th Amendment is being used to say, hey, black folks do not get extra credit for the color of their skin on admissions. It's just that, and neither do whites, neither do Chinese, neither do Koreans, neither do uh, American Indians, neither do, it, nobody. Doesn't matter. And of course, that's the way it always should have been. Yeah, I, I think as well with this ruling, as we've seen through COVID, the ACT and the SAT tests are just going to the, to the wayside. And this test have never been pro-minority. It, it, it just has been proven that, you know, those that are of color um, and and education level just don't do well on those tests or if you have just test anxiety overall. So I think you're right, painting that picture of where you've been, who you are, how you got to where you are, holistic admission is the way to go. And hopefully this ruling really pushes that. I mean, maybe 50, 60 years ago, that affirmative action piece was kind of a wake up call going it, it was trying to do the right thing at that time, but it's gone out of hand. And now it's one of those, let's just look at, look at people holistically and see what they bring to the table today. Yeah, I mean, I think from a constitutional perspective, I have not read this entire decision. I've read some of it, uh, little clips of it that I've seen uh, others commenting on it. And, you know, this, it, it, Norm, you said it's limited to the college admittance environment, but this is like there was a case up in Michigan. I think it was Bakke, B-A-K-K-E or something like that years ago. Right, Maybe right. back in the 80s. Right. That, that said you could deem race a plus uh, in considering somebody's admission. And I think what the Supreme Court was trying to do back then was sort of what, they, what they're doing here is like throw it into the, the milkshake of things and make it part of somebody's story. Um, but I, I, Brett, I do agree. It's gotten somewhat out of hand because I think on its face, nobody would be cool with admittance discriminating against somebody because of the color of their skin. And if your skin happens to be white and they're saying, well, you're no good, you, or because of your color of skin, you're not going to be a candidate or you're going to get put to the bottom of the pile is no less offensive than if your color is black and you get put to the bottom of the pile. Now, then you have to start to th- figure, all right, so if we want to we raise certain classes of people into a different uh, into a different place in society, then how do you do that? And, and I think it's been proven time and time again, just putting kids in college whether they're black or white or Asian or green or yellow or brown, it doesn't make any difference. If they're not, if they don't have the intellectual capacity to be at Harvard or to be at Yale or to be at an Ivy League, then it doesn't do them any favors to be there. And, and I'm saying that me included. I don't think I had the intellectual capacity out of high school <laughs> to go compete with the with the folks at Harvard. And and I think I think Thomas Sowell did a whole I can't remember if it was an essay or one of his books on this. I think it was like race and racism in America or something something he wrote. And his point from an economic standpoint is what you do is you set certain classes of people then up for failure. And rather than putting kids who can't compete in Harvard, well, put them in a school where they can compete. You know, get like, and then they're going to succeed. You know, and this is like, um, it, there's a reason that we had. Uh, you know, not we're not all built the same, and it's not based on the color of our skin. It's based on our minds and what we're capable of doing with our minds. You know, some people are going to be better at driving race cars. Some people are going to be better at fixing race cars. Some people are going to be better at the law, and others are going to be better at math. And to, and to to say that our society should frame a system or a structure that equalizes everybody across those lines is absurd on its face. And it, you know, so 
if it's true that minorities perform worse on SATs and ACTs, then we should figure out why and address that problem than just get rid of the standards. And I get it. You know, I don't, I didn't, I've never tested well. My ACT was crap. We, for law school, you have to take a, um, admittance exam. Um, and mine was crap, you know, but then I went to law school and I did quite well. So I'm not, this is not, I'm not advocating for standardized tests, but I'm also not, I, I, I don't, I wouldn't, I, I think I would respectfully disagree a little bit, Brett, is that if minorities are performing worse then that, I, I don't think the fix is to get rid of the test. I think the fix is to figure out why, um, if we can, yeah. and I, and what are we really testing? And maybe, maybe we do need to get rid of the test, but just not because, True. And I, I, I'd like at least it's not um, as much as a focus. It's now much, a bit more a bit more um, holistic view of the student, which I like. I, you know, the kind of yeah, downplaying yeah, yeah. that number, which I like. The test is a test. Yeah. I mean, it's not going to go away. There's too much money flowing there. But it's but it's that. Well, OK, let's take a bigger picture. Yeah. You know, and, so. And you make a good point. You just, you know, I, 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 I think we have lost. This is where this is where this push for equity eats itself, mm-hmm. because what we've done is to treat everybody equally. You create a standardized test, so you plug in numbers and the numbers come out, and that's how you uh, that's how you uh, create your hierarchy of who gets admitted first. But it, <clears throat> it, it does. I, I guess I'm I'm changing my mind in real time. It, it does <laughs> it does sort of fly in the face to create a standardized process. Um, for anybody, depending, irrespective of your color, if you don't test well, then if that's the only criteria, then you get shoved to the bottom. And that's what happened to me in law school, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, it, 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 what I think what happened is that was all we were looking at are those standardized scores because that, quote, eliminated all aspects of of individual subjective selective or individual subjective criteria for selection. And, you know, I, I, I think that that sells the school short. I think there are kids who aren't going to test well, um, whether they're black, whether they're Asian, whether they're white, who have a lot of other stuff to offer um, short of their test scores. So, you know, if you're an artist, are you going to get, and you, you happen to think artistically, you may not test well on the math parts of the standardized testing, but you still got lots to offer. Or like you said, Brett, you have anxiety. And I had, I always had test anxiety. I, um, there's a funny story when I took my law school admittance, uh, was it the LSAT norm? I forget. Um, the LSAT. And, uh, the first thing we had to do on that was write out the oath in script cursive. And I didn't know how to write in cursive. I had forgotten. <laughs> so I spent 10 minutes freaking out over this and I start, you know, I had anxiety about it. And, uh, I of course tested horribly on the LSAT, took it again, tested horribly again. And went to a law school where I could compete, I guess. Uh, and then I did quite well in law school. So it's like, I, you know, I, I don't know what that would have been, how would I would have done at Harvard or Yale or wherever. But uh, if I would have been, you know, if, if I, I think if the Ivy Leagues or anybody would consider people holistically, like you're saying, Brett, I think we might end up better off. Now, how do you standardize that and prevent racism? Well, you know, that's always the question. So if you could prove that somebody didn't admit another individual because of the color of their skin then that's a you know i'm right there i'll represent you you know Mm -hmm. on the other i'll represent the person who has been discriminated against right 
Right. But I think what's happened is we are drawing broad swath presumptions that somebody didn't get admitted because of the color of their skin. Exactly. And that may not necessarily be true. Right. Now, if it is true, let's go fight that. But but certainly uh, I think what's happened is it's swung way too far the other way. Yeah, certainly yeah. the intention of affirmative action itself is diametrically opposed to the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence philosophy, wherein many justices over the last 240 years or 250 years of American history have said on many occasions that our system protects individual rights. It doesn't protect group rights. It doesn't take people and say, well, we do this for rich people and we do this for middle-class people, or we do this for green people and this for yellow people and this for red people. It just doesn't do that. That's not how we set up our government. We're, we're so unique in that, in, that, uh, in that way from other countries. And affirmative action militates against that very American philosophy that each person is to be assessed, judged, um, has their freedoms, has their dreams, has their opportunities individually. And we protect everybody as an individual. The 14th Amendment, which was, which was done after the Civil War in order to protect the civil rights of black people, doesn't say this is for black people, right? It's for all of us. So it's not, it's not, like, it's, it's not like it's built in to, for a certain race. And ironically, the 14th Amendment was it largely ignored the past 50 or 60 years while this feel-good... We got to do something. We so got to do, do something. And, and 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 it was probably a bad situation 50, 60 years ago. It probably was. And it, and it was a situation like we've got to take care of this. So we're going to do this. Well, well it was it was it, it's it's all been outcome determinative. So I'm going to mm-hmm. I'm going to tell a story on me. OK, so I was obviously, you know, we all evolve as a young man. I was on campus at UC, uh, decided to throw my hat in the ring, and you go to these various groups, various student groups, and they either endorse you or not, right? So I appeared before the Black Students Association seeking their endorsement, and they asked, well, what is your feeling on affirmative action? And at that time, I said, I think we need affirmative action for a, a period of time until as rough justice, as, as, as a rough medication for our society to bring more blacks into, onto campus, to uh, scholarship them, to give them the, the ability to rise up, pull themselves up. And that was my feeling at that time. And I, by the way, I got their endorsement. Right. So, you know, I, you know, back then identity politics wasn't like it is today. I didn't have to be a black person myself in order to get the black endorsement. Now it's like, you know, you can't get the Polish endorsement unless you're a Pole or, or whatever. I mean, or, it's or part it, Pole probably. Yeah. It's, 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 yeah. it's insane how our country has reverted back in, in ways that are very racist, you know, in the name of being progressive it's it's bizarre and this decision is excellent in terms of batting that down i think it'll be very popular with most of the american people because 
they've seen the other side of it, the other side I wasn't thinking of, frankly, at the time as a student. Because when I then applied to law school and I graduated magna cum laude, I had, you know, a four, you know, close to a four point and all this stuff. And I was looking for a scholarship. I, th- you know, I'm at the top of the heap, I thought. And the admissions officer for law school said, well, you're the wrong gender and you're the wrong color. She was, she was that frank with me and just told me, you're not going to get a scholarship. And, and you know, blew me away. Yeah. So, wow. uh, well, you know, and I, I think a lot more, of people have seen that. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Uh, well, I'm just yeah, saying a lot of people have seen that. And, you know, we, we've had J.D. Vance on the show, for example. There are, excuse the phrase, a shit ton of, of oppressed uh, of, of people that have been uh, savaged in our economy and by policy in Appalachia that are poor, white, excuse the word, trash, as J.D. Vance discusses himself as a hillbilly. His words, he's a hillbilly. That's what he says he is. And yet, you know, look how well he's done. He went to Yale, you know, and excelled. Now he's a U.S. senator. So, we shouldn't be talking about race. We should be talking about opportunities. Doesn't matter what your color is. Well, you know, there's there's certain things that are just sort of hard for us to swallow, and that is like, all right, why? And I'll just ask rhetorical questions. Why, for instance, do Asians seem to do better at math across the board? You know, and and you know, how do you how do we square that? Can we we don't square that by saying there's that we discriminated against everybody else who's not Asian. And therefore, that's why they've excelled. It, it just doesn't add up. On the other hand, those differences are there. So the educational system, I think, left to its own devices, will sort of sort that out. You know, the kids who are good at math will go do math. The kids who are good at acting will go be, uh, you know, get, uh, hit the arts. Um, those who shouldn't go to college at all probably shouldn't go to college at all. And I think part of this problem stems from that, which is we went through this. I remember Bill Clinton Everybody ought to get an education. Everybody ought to go to college. And, and, you know, like Mike Rose says, that that's total BS. Not everybody should go to college. And, in fact, I wonder if I would have, if, but for those kind of messages. And, you know, I've done quite well, but I've always been mechanically inclined. I always like to work with my hands. I always like to be outside. I always like to be tinkering with something. And I went to college, so I don't do those things necessarily. Like I maybe I, I would have been better in, in, in that uh, realm. And it doesn't mean that I'm worse or somehow lesser than those who are academics. You know, it just, I, I think we've, we've elevated college to this like sine qua non where with that, unless you go to college, you've got nothing and, and you're worthless. And, and that's a, that's a slap in the face for everybody who should not go to college, you know, or doesn't want to. Well, right. And, and those who have gone to trade school that are making hundreds of thousands of dollars. Right, right. And, yeah, and absolutely. The, my gosh, the Supreme Court today is said to be issuing a decision on the Biden student loan, college student loan forgiveness program, which he implemented without con- congressional approval. That's supposed to come out today. Hmm. Um, and so, Steve, we'll find out, you know, whether, you know, whether our society is so biased towards you know, college and helping people go to college. And as, as I've said on this show many times, where is a federal program to buy a plumber's, a young man who goes into plumbing, his truck 
and his uh, ridge, you know, his ridge line uh, tools uh, to, to thread pipe and, and do all the things he needs for his profession. Why is it that, you know, we give loans at a low interest rate to help people get a degree in college, but we don't do the same thing for other people choosing other avenues uh, for their uh, occupation. It's, it's bizarre to me. I don't understand it. And it, it doesn't make any sense to forgive that uh, it, because then it's a gift uh, by the taxpayers. It's, a, it's an underwriting uh, even more so than a low interest rate. Now it's an outright grant to largely well-to-do people, or I take it back, middle-class people who, as adults, signed this loan agreement and said they will pay this back upon graduation over a period of time. Hey, it was an adult decision. They took it. They need to pay it back like I did, like you did, like Mm -hmm. I'm sure Brett did. Like anybody who went to college and participated in a student loan pays it back. I mean, come on. This is my, this is my classic. This is a classic example. I I like to, my analogy I always use is it's because I'm speaking a word in my hands. I love woodworking. Anybody who's ever tinkered with building a frame, which requires four perfect 45 degree miters. And if you get one of them off and you think you can adjust it a little bit, then what happens is it throws everything else off. And the more you tinker, the worse it gets. And you know, drywall is a little bit like this too. You know, you, once you start tinkering, oh, well, I'll fill this high spot. Or that's next thing you know, you're skimming everything. And you can't fix it, and it's it's a disaster. And I think when the government starts to tinker, like we're gonna we're gonna give people free money or very low interest money that uh, to go to college, it sounds awesome. Except then, what happens? Well, the price of college goes up. Of course, it does because now the colleges are going to add programs, add space, build buildings hire teachers, hire professors to accommodate the new influx of students who are now going to come into college who otherwise wouldn't have gone to college but for those government loans. And then what happens is they get degrees and they're worthless because there's too many people with the same degree and it doesn't get you anywhere. So people get out of college and they can't really get jobs. That's how I saw it. I lived it back in the 90s. Oh, for sure. Now we've got the government trying to fix it. By forgiving the debt that they created. I mean, it, it's so insane. Right, um, right. So the, and what, they don't blame themselves. They blame the colleges for raising their prices. Well, of course the colleges are going to raise their prices because they've got more demand. And this, like, you can't legislate away human nature. This is what resulted. This is like the classic microcosm of, of socialist and communist communism failing. Right. Because you, you can't control, you can't dictate what people do out of their human natures and and um, colleges government edict and colleges and universities do not have to compete uh in the open marketplace in an unfettered way they can basically charge whatever they want and they know the students who are not thinking about paying off the loan down the road many of them are not thinking about that so they can charge virtually anything and it's guaranteed by the federal government. They, they, the colleges are not the collection agents anymore. They don't go out and go after a, a bad loan. Th- they get their money from the government, and they're, of they're course, right? They're, yeah, right, Steve. They're happy, and so they can, you know, you, uh, OSU can just willy nilly raise their their tuition, and there'll be some grumbling from the very small handful of people paying cash. But basically, all you know, probably ninety-five percent are on some kind of a loan 
of some kind. And they kind of say, well, that's deferred down the road. And maybe Biden will lift the burden off of me. I'll worry about that in four or five years. So, And, and so so the, the advocates of, of this sort of governmental intervention would say, well, these colleges are charging too much. We should create laws that they can't charge so much. So now the government's going to dictate how much college costs. Yeah, right. And next thing you know, the market's out of whack. Now you're at the next 45 degree minor that gets all screwed up right. because now the colleges have, you know, it, it's, it's an endless uh, tinkering that results in financial disaster and ruin. It always does. Now I, I'm also not going to say that the free market is perfect, but it's a hell of a lot better because when you have your own money on the line, when you're spending your own money right. and you're, you are on the on the hook for it. Right. You're going to tend to do things that are going to make more financial sense. You'll shop so around. I, I, you'll shop. You'll shop around. You'll shop I around. Had, uh, at one point, I was involved in this situation. I, I, I didn't want really to get into too much, but I had somebody go shopping for me for a, a tailgate or a party I was throwing, and I was caught up at work. I had it was uh, so, I, so I had somebody go to, go shopping, and I looked at the bill afterwards, and it was insane. Yeah. Because they didn't buy the store brand cheese. They bought the most expensive cheese. They didn't <laughs> buy the crackers I would have bought. They might, and why? Because it's not their freaking money. Their why money. would they care? Hey, Steve, yeah. like taking your sons out uh, to Morton's Steakhouse, right? Do, will they order the flank steak? No. No, they're going to get the porterhouse. Right. Right? Because dad's Unless paying. give them that guilt-ridden look. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Don't look at that page, sons. You're going here. <laughs> yeah, right, I would exactly. I would I would like to on the affirmative action thing also like to bring up this uh, notion. It, it's all over the media. Right. So even even if you listen to a conservative talk radio, the way it's being framed by almost everybody is extremely inaccurate. Right. They call this a conservative decision. They called Dobbs, which overthrew Roe, a conservative decision. Neither this affirmative action nor Dobbs are conservative decisions. What they are is originalist decisions. It is based on the original intent of the Constitution and reading the Constitution for what it says. Now, if we want to pass a constitutional amendment that institutionalizes Roe in the Constitution, get your ass in gear. If we want to put into the Constitution that blacks have an advantage in college admission, then write up that amendment, go through the rule book in the Constitution itself to amend the Constitution. But if you read the Constitution and the original intent, and you go to the amendments, which are on the books today, there is no excuse for a decision like Roe, nor for affirmative action. And so it's not, you know, you. for all I know, the six justices, and I think Clarence Thomas is in his, in his, um, in his written opinion, even states, I benefited from affirmative action, okay? He said that in his decision, in his concurrence. But that's not the point. The, you may you may be totally against affirmative action or you may be totally for it but if you're an honest originalist jurist you will disregard your personal opinion 
and read the Constitution and apply the case and apply the Constitution to the case. And uh, and so that's how the, it should be framed. And and many well, Norm, go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. Norm. Also, to your point, what is interesting, and th- and this is where I think a lot of people on the other side of the like calling people calling these justices conservative and uh, with a sort of a disdain in your voice. Yes. Uh, yes. What people on the other side don't understand is that this often leads to outcomes that the conservative movement or, uh, or maybe the, the Republican side or whatever side you're going to call it doesn't like. And, and it's because when justices uh, decide cases on a common thread of principle throughout right. and they apply that, right. it's not outcome driven. And, That's and right. There's also a couple of decisions recently where the U.S. Supreme Court, if it was at Louisiana, where they struck down some uh, 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 voting district laws. That's right. That's right. Where there was competition between a, a state Supreme Court and the state legislature. And I haven't read this either, but uh, they struck it down, and it was a Republican legislature trying to get um, voting district laws in their favor. And uh, I think the courts of that particular state were against it. Well, the Supreme Court decided against the Republican interest. And it's not that they decided against the Republican interest as such. It's that they applied the principles of uh, of the law, and it came out differently. And And this is where the progressive movement on the Supreme Court uh, fails all the time, and they end up with crooked lines of standards because right, when right. You, when you decide cases uh, from an outcome driven standpoint, that's right. You're going to end up with all sorts of crazy results mm-hmm. because on the one hand, you want to make it a plus for a minority to get into school, but that results immediately in discrimination discrimination against other other whites or even other minorities. And yes. then what do you do? Because well, you've changed yes. the rules. To your point, Steve, this case was brought by an association of uh, Chinese heritage American students uh, who brought this case against the University of North Carolina in one in one case, and then it was combined with another case involving Harvard. And so um, Katanji, is it Jackson Brown or Brown Jackson? I always get it messed up. But K- KJB, I think it's Katanji Jackson Brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, she recused herself from the Harvard decision, so that's a six-two. the The University of North Carolina was six-three. She was on the board at Harvard, so she recused herself. But you're exactly right on target. Making it outcome determinative, as the dissenters in this affirmative action case uh, pointed out, is is a disaster because it was another minority group, right? Who said, Hey, wait a minute, by showcasing, by helping a certain skin color, you're discriminating against us. And uh, quite frankly, I'm so I'm, I believe in a meritocracy. I'm so colorblind that if Harvard ended up with a 40% Chinese heritage student body, it wouldn't bother me at all. It, it, I don't care. I, I, I'm colorblind to it. It just doesn't matter to me. But yet, the they found in the in the when they did discovery, part of what they found out by the Harvard admissions office is they didn't like the. And this is as racist as it gets. This shows you how racist affirmative action could be. The Harvard admissions officers 
were found to have discussions about Chinese students, and I, I mean Chinese American students, having a bland or a, a stoic personality and that the campus atmosphere would be different if they just went on merit and, and, and let in. And I think the figure would be about 40% is, is what they figured out. It would have been if it was colorblind on, on Harvard admissions. And if it was just, you know, oh. by testing and, and by a grade point average and how racist can you get? To, 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 to take every, a broad brush. Remember where it all started. It, it started because we wanted equality of testing. Yeah. And and then that didn't work because you had too many people in one group yeah. testing better than too right. many people in the other. But we wanted it all blind. Right. So then that resulted in a desperate outcome or a desperate impact on minorities. So we can't do that. Right. So now we've got to start tinkering with it another way. The 45 degree miners just keep getting worse. Right. And we're going to end we're, up. Yeah. Yeah. And you're talking about personality characteristics of an entire it's, racial. It's, it's, I mean, I mean uh, how racist is that? Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy talk. That that would be like saying, you know, if you admit a, a large uh, population of, of black African-American students, that's that. Oh, my gosh, there'll be a lot of rap music being played the in buildings the buildings will get tagged with you know, paint and all that kind of stuff. I mean, come exactly. on. Are you you have got yeah. to be kidding me that you, you, you know, I mean, it just shows how how create how race conscious and race obsessed these progressives and frankly marxists that run these universities have become and steve to your point when you talk about unusual or unpredictable although you and i would say it's very predictable but the the race games that have been played in the last half century elizabeth warren you know writing in her application to become on the faculty uh, that she is part Cherokee, right? So, so that she gets credit for some race that it turns out her 23andMe DNA analysis showed she's less Cherokee than Donald Trump. So, uh, it, and then you know you've got um, you've got Biden, for example, on a federal program, one of the first federal programs he did, and the court struck it down, or I think a district court was this special department of agriculture grant that was just for black farmers. So it wasn't for Japanese American farmers or Puerto Rican American farmers or Cuban American farmers or uh, Appalachian farmers. It was just for black farmers. And what is a black farmer? You know, it's what is you. So reparations out in California, what is see, see, once you decide you're going to do things by race, then as Jordan Peterson says in many times in his books, well, how actually do you define that? I mean, is Obama white or is he black? He's 50-50. So yeah. which, which so one like, is What's he? the movie? It was like a dystopian movie where uh, it was all like society was stratified based on somebody's DNA. And if you were a certain DNA, you were less. It's like it's getting to that sort of nonsensical yeah. outcome. It's like, how do you define race? Well, we're going to all have to take a test. And if you're uh, X percent uh, with this race well then you qualify for benefits that other people don't these are insane outcomes that i think on their face it's reduced to absurdity it's what the nazis did people pushing it it's what what the nazis it's what the third reich did they you had to go back i forget how many grandparents how many generations back but to become a member of the nazi party with all of its benefits right so that you could do business with the government, so you could travel, so you could own a firearm, so you could do this, that, or the other thing 
to be a member of the Nazi party, you had to demonstrate back to a certain generational uh, time limit. I think it was a couple hundred years that there were no Jews, no Jews in your background. And there were race courts to determine who was pure enough to become a a Nazi party member. I mean, and and now the response though is going to be, we got to have guardrails. And, and I, and I agree with that to some extent, because you can't have a scenario where, because if you create unfettered, um, if you create unfettered uh, discretion uh, out of the government, well, you're going to end up with people who abuse their discretion. Yeah. And so what are the guardrails, you know, and, and I, and I suppose it's best it's, it's, I, I, I think it's best to solve it case by case. So if you've got somebody who's discriminating against for admissions purposes, one group over another, one race over another, well, then I'm right there fighting it because I don't think that's right. On the other hand, if, if, uh, if you create like the, like the other side wants to do a system that permits that, then what's to stop it going too far that way? And I, and I think maybe the only way to handle this is to fight racism where you see it. And race, and they would say it's not racist to, to discriminate discriminate against whites because under you know the critical race theory, the whites are historically in power, so they can't be discriminated against. Um, so the only way they can justify this is by changing definitions as you go, and it doesn't work. You know, you end up with crazy outcomes like we talked about. So yeah. I guess with that, I'll shut up about it. Normal, we no. probably got to move on. Well, well I, I've got go a ahead. quick update. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you heard uh, that they updated what was, what happened up in uh, our our train derailment. derailment. Uh, earlier this year, we're coming up on six months on that. Yeah, that's February too. But it, I missed this, and I was looking at it, going, "Hey, maybe we can get an update at the six month mark, August second, that sort of thing." But there was a, a hearing back in uh, late June, June twenty second and the twenty third, offered new details about the investigation. A Norfolk Southern employee in a monitoring center in Atlanta did not initially see an alert showing that the wheel bearing was heating up. And according to a transcript released before the hearing, Keith Dabrick, the village's fire chief, said he was blindsided, quote unquote, when Norfolk Southern and its contractors concerned about an explosion sought to vent the vinyl uh, vinyl chloride in daylight. He also was given 13 minutes to decide whether to approve the procedure. Hmm. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. And so it, we talked it about the it. Sunshine always always exposes everything. You know, it's like, let's get to the bottom of it. Unbelievable. If, yeah. if I was Norfolk Southern, right, they have now spent, according to their testimony, $400 million. Well, they're not even close to being done, right? No. So no. if I were them, the cheaper way out, frankly, this is like a Love Canal thing, right, mm-hmm. in New York where, you mm-hmm. know, near the Niagara Falls where the where the, the soil was so contaminated they just abandoned the town. Norfolk Southern should 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 have just bought East Palestine. Yeah. That's really what they should do. Because for four hundred million dollars, they probably could have bought everybody, right? I mean they probably pr- probably could have bought all that real estate yeah. and just said, you know what? Now it's our problem. Yeah. Here you here here's you know, whatever your house is appraised at, here here's a check. 
you know? <laughs> Probably so, yeah. Other than, I get, you know, that's almost a snowball effect if you think about it, though. They could buy the town, but then they also said the wind blew into some Amish country. So Into how, Pennsylvania. Into yeah, Pennsylvania. Right, yeah. So you know Pennsylvania's going to stick their nose into that lawsuit. Yeah, in fact, the governor... Said, we want our money, too. You buy this town, you know, that kind of stuff. So the governor, I guess it doesn't stop, the, but the governor, The governor wow. of Pennsylvania passed me on the highway that weekend. I was traveling into Pennsylvania, and coming the other way was a motorcade that was clearly the governor because the governor of pa unlike mike dewine the governor of pa that day went to went to uh, his constituents in western pennsylvania and wanted to find out about the fallout from you know like so it is a thing like you said yeah and like uh like our guest uh, the expert that we had on here um like jay said yeah uh, in one of our episodes uh, that the contamination airborne uh, definitely carried it over into PA. Had to. Yeah. It had to. Yeah, so. exactly. But anyway, I just saw that update. I'm like, maybe we can get, uh, I'm going to try to research, see if we can get a, a reporter on. Yeah, that'd be month. great. Just a six-month right. update, or maybe it's later into August. Kind of go, okay, what's happening in six months And after, just just you know? this week, there was a trestle a bridge, a train bridge that collapsed, yeah. and another toxic uh, spill from a train. So our infrastructure is- It's shit. It's crumbling. Yeah, I mean, it's. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, the statistic now is I, the Pete Buttigieg. The one thing <laughs> that Pete Buttigieg has said that's correct is some something like forty percent of American highway bridges and well, county township all bridges are structurally deficient. I mean, that's almost a coin flip when you cross a bridge now. Yeah. Well, and that's that's a safety. Hold on, guys. Didn't we pass an infrastructure bill? <laughs> Yes. Yeah, we right. did, didn't we? Yeah, yeah right. and an inflation reduction bill too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sorry well, to cut you up, no, no. Know. Well, and it's a good point. I mean, we need to consider this. This is this is the, the basics that the government is supposed to do. Yeah, it is exactly what the government. That's should exactly do. This is right. what, you know, not spending bullshit money on. This other is crap. In, this is they, interstate commerce. This is interstate commerce That's that right. we pay to have decent roads to ship to move 100%. to to. To go on vacation if we want, right? And emergency situations. So that we have, get we get bombed or you know an attack, and we need to get our ass out of Columbus, Ohio. Right. We expect the roads or to a be hurricane, in, tornado, or hurricane, lots yeah, of reasons could be any yeah, mother nature right. that we expect the roads to be in a decent shape that we can get out of here 100%. in an efficient time. You run away from Canadian uh, smoke, exactly. Right. You want to go south and get 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 the hell out of Cleveland because. Yeah. You know, in Buffalo, because, you know, you're choking to death. You want to be able to get right. on the highway. Well, it could be health reasons. To, you, well, you know, that's not really far-fetched. That is a health. Well, no. Sure, yeah, really. Uh, I heard that yeah. in New York City, uh, I think it was yesterday, so our air pollution index here was 100-something. Yeah. It was, you know, like they were saying, you know, gosh, if you've got COPD or lung cancer, whatever, you know, don't go out, or heart condition. New York City was four times worse. 400 was the... Is it 200 the cap or something? 200 yeah, so, the number you're supposed to so look at or four, something else? 400 is like it. nobody can handle this amount of smoke. I mean, that's how bad it was. Wow. So, uh, well, if you see, there's a yeah. there's a page, a homepage out of Canada. I'll put the link in the show notes uh, that's showing all the fires. Mm-hmm. It's like all of Canada is red. Yeah, and they're it's, not doing a whole lot about it. It's amazing. I mean, you know. Well, like, 
I wonder if you just can't. I don't know, you know, what the situation is yeah. in regards to can you or not. But is oh, I want to look at it. They're like, pretty because they update it. They're pretty chill about it. Yeah. They, you know. Well, and I, I get you know <laughs> they are, but it's it's that how many how many fire up right now? There's two hundred and twenty nine out of control fires up wow. there. Incredible. At least that's what they're categorizing Incredible. it as. One hundred and seventy four under yeah one hundred seventy four under control ninety four being held. I mean. The yeah. map of Canada is just red. Yeah, terrible. It's it's horrible, horrible. But anyway, I mean, I, I feel bad for him. You know, honestly, a, but, along yeah. along the lines mm. of what you said about uh, our pay at the pump gas tax, uh, which uh, if you combined uh, state and federal is now somewhere between thirty five and forty cents a gallon, something like that. There is a there is a supposed lockbox called the Highway Trust Fund, and it. Now, this is where I'll strenuously disagree with uh, Pete Buttigieg. The Highway Trust Fund, just like the Social Security, you know, Al Gore's favorite phrase, lockbox, it's been raided historically by Congress and the president of both parties to spend on any number of uh, socially, you know, approved, uh, you know, feel-good programs like – converting railroads to bike trails or park and rides for, you know, for people out in the boonies that want to, you know, take a shuttle bus and for all kinds of, you know, employment programs for transit buses running around empty. And so we have ignored maintenance on the highways. We've ignored the bridges because that's not as sexy, right? You know, I mean, you're going to hire some construction company like Coco Sing right or or, or, mm-hmm. or whoever in Columbus or, or Ohio in general to go out and pave or or weld you know or rivet a bridge back together or whatever pour concrete not as sexy as saying hey what we're going to do is uh, we're we're going to have like this nature trail for people to walk along uh, the Scioto River or something like that you know like oh gosh you know I'm I'm a greenie look at me you know give me all the virtue and and all that stuff, instead of doing the nuts and bolts business of what government should be doing. It goes back to Steve's analogy of your tailgate money, or tailgate yeah. money. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Right? We're, we're all going to put the money in, but uh, we're going to get the expensive cheese, so after, what, not the cut cheese. What happened, yeah. oh what happened, what happened in, uh, I think the, the year was uh, 1996, and I, I had a little mini debate at his press conference with uh, Senator Patrick Moynihan, when I was a lobbyist uh, for the Highway Users um, uh, Federation here in Ohio. So I happened to be in D.C. They were passing one of these, I think it was called ICE-T was the acronym. And basically that was the pivot point where instead of the federal government dispersing the money for approved programs because it is an interstate highway system, and the federal government would say, well, wait a minute, we're not going to approve this goofy little jobs program that doesn't repair the roads. Your priority is fix I-71, add a lane, fix the potholes, whatever. What they did is they they returned discretion, and and they, they basically did block grants from the Highway Trust Fund all this gas tax money back to the 50 states. And they said to the governors and the legislatures, hey, you guys decide how you want to spend your federal tax money in your state. And and so when they did that, 
local politicians just turned it into Grafton, you know, uh, I mean, they just did things to make themselves popular and, you know, look at the orange barrels as a result because everything's underfunded on the highways now Mm -hmm. until somebody gets killed. Right. 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 Yeah, the right person has to get killed. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and then they're never going to blame the government. No. Ever. They're never going to no. blame themselves. It's no. only because no. the car manufacturers did weren't safe. Or, or that, act of uh, God. Act of God. Something else happened. Yeah. yeah. Act of God. No, you know, like the, 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 what was it? Was it in Iowa where that entire interstate span just collapsed into the Mississippi River, I think, or whatever it was? Yeah. I mean, and it killed a few people, mm-hmm. right? They were on that bridge when it collapsed. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. anyway. One of the, one of the things going on also, guys, uh, that's coming out today is a is a uh, Supreme Court decision. So they have three more, and I guess mm. two are coming out today. Um, the other one that's supposed to come out today, uh, b- besides the uh, student loan forgiveness program, uh, whether or not that's uh, constitutional, is a decision on whether or not a website designer. Uh, can uh, stick to his religious beliefs and not design a website for a gay wedding, right? So it's like the gay cake, the wedding cake thing. This is where they screwed up that cake case because what they did is they left room for like an endless array Hmm. of debate like this. Is this artistic or is it not artistic? Is it, you know, that, they they tried to draw some lines to limit the scope of that cake decision. Um, and now we're left with this sort of case by case ad hoc assessment of whether something like this is constitutional or unconstitutional. Yeah. I'll be very interested to see how they fix this. Hey, Steve, because, in, in, in yeah. what, what the Supreme court can do is look at their precedent from 24 hours earlier, because yesterday they ruled that a U.S. Postal Service worker could not be compelled to work on Sunday if his religious tenets uh, commanded him to honor the Sabbath. So they essentially gave this fired postal worker his job back, uh, I assume with back pay and benefits and all that, because the postal system let him go because he refused to work on Sundays. So and okay. they did that under the free exercise clause, though, right? I presume. Yeah, I think you're right. And and yeah, so it's so yeah. and so you wonder. Okay, so we're going we're going to uphold somebody's religious rights for that. They they sure as hell well, one, one day later better uphold the. It's different though, Norm. Yeah, go ahead. It's man. different. Go ahead. Go ahead. This, the the First Amendment free. So there's two clauses of, of freedom of religion. One is called the entanglement clause, where the government can't be too entangled in a religion. The other is the free exercise clause. And I think there was years and years and years of jurisprudence that sort of pushed this in a direction that I think was sort of un, maybe inconsistent a bit with what the framers thought. But what you're talking about is, is, is I'm guessing, I haven't read the decision, but it's a free exercise decision where the government can't interfere with the free exercise of our religion. Now, the question is going to be whether, I, it, whether my moral belief that I don't want to make a cake or I don't want to build a website – for somebody who's gay or somebody who's uh, black or somebody who is um, Italian or somebody who's uh, a mix, who knows? It's going to be hard to find a religious foundation, no pun intended, for that. Um, So it it could turn on something different, Norm. I'd be interested to see 
because you know there is this notion that christianity says we don't approve of homosexuality but they're not the only ones who don't approve of homosexuality oh of course um no i mean the muslims don't approve of homosexuality as far as i know i'm no expert but yeah uh and if i say i'm not going to I, what if I said in my law practice, I'm not going to represent gay folks. Um, can I be compelled to do it? Um, you know, that's a real dicey problem. I've always thought this, like I used to argue upstairs, like, what if I just said, I'm not going to represent anybody of color in my law practice anymore. Can I be compelled to do it? And people are like, heck yes, you can. I'm like, all right, well then what kind of representation are they going to get out of me? If my, if my, yeah. if my real tenant is I don't like black people Am I really going to do something like work for them in a way that uh, uh, they would want um, just because the government says I have to? And obviously, I don't take these positions, folks. Well, Steve, uh, Steve, I, do the lawyers yeah. at the NAACP represent white people? No, they don't. No, they don't. They right. they represent exclusively black clients. So right, I got no problem with that. Yeah, um, right. It's and, a private industry. Go do what you're going to do. All right. Well, and, then, um, then it sounds like you know somebody's a KKK guy because he doesn't want to represent somebody of a certain color. Well, that's exactly what the NAACP does. I mean, I'm well, not de- I'm not defending bias. I'm I'm fr- I'm defending right. freedom. Do whatever the hell you want. If you want to be an idiotic ice cream cone a vendor and put up a sign you know, that says something outrageous, you know, like, uh, you know, Biden, you know, this or no, that. No, no right-handed Yeah, uh, whatever. Uh, I mean, well, no, so you put a sign that says no black folks served. Yeah. I'm going to put that sign up right, there. Right. Well, I would hope in today's day and age, that guy goes broke. Absolutely. In a heartbeat. I in a heartbeat. buy ice cream from that SOB. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm not now, buying Miller. I'm not buying thing. Miller or uh, Bud Light. right right you have a right not to i have a right here's the thing though and that's not because i hate trans people that has nothing to do with i don't hate anybody it it just you know what i don't want to be preached to by a business right Uh, i I don't yeah that's all you just want to get a good product i just want a beer i was gonna say here's the other distinction we got to make go ahead or brett well i was just gonna say to your point right there in regards to i don't want to be preached by to from a business. That's right. I would love to have been a fly on the wall in that initial meeting between this gay couple and this web designer. First of all, web designers are a dime a dozen. Sorry if you're a web designer. 100%. I'm sorry if you're a web designer. Everybody's a dime a dozen. Yeah, so go, one, go find so, another one. So what happened in that meeting? Did right. that woman yeah. say, I am not going to create a website for you because you're gay? She could have picked any other flipping reason in the world. I think she I heard was her. making a point I think to I, say that I am not going to serve you because you're gay. She wanted this to I, happen. I think. Oh, hold on a second, Brett. Don't you it's think? The opposite. It, the gay people knew damn well that she didn't want to build the website, so they went to this person to create the litigation. Oh, is that what happened? Okay, and it has nothing to okay. do. with what's going on. Oh, okay. And, and, and I, so I saw her interview. I didn't know which way it happened, but I, it had to happen one or the other. I okay. saw okay. I saw her interview. Oh, it has you. nothing to do with her disdain okay. or hate of anybody. Okay. She just doesn't believe that matrimony. And that couple picked her, picked her out for the sake of making an example of her. She didn't have any problem with gays living together, uh, gay, gay contracts, gay, gay, you know, uh, household arrangements. She just problem with these with these activists on on these points. They're not happy 
just being free to go pick another web designer who will do it because there's plenty of gay web designers. Right. Exactly. Who the awesomest website. Oh, of all probably time. probably better they than she can. Everybody else yeah. to That's right. Their beliefs and tamp them down if they don't. <sighs> yes. Okay. They want to use right. the Supreme Court to do it. All right. And this is what pisses me off. That's about that, it. like, I'm, and I don't agree with it either. I totally like agree they with that, yeah. like they're doing with Catholic hospitals and saying, "Hey, you've got to uh, provide abortion services," right? And Catholic hospitals are saying, well, you know, I mean, that goes against our basic religious teachings. We're a Catholic hospital. We're not going to do abortions here except to save, you know, the life of the mother that, you know, like a breach, sure. a baby who's breached and, you know, the mother dies or the baby dies. You can't save them both. Okay, they'll do that kind of an abortion, but they're not going to do an abortion on demand, yeah, right, you know, right, right. in the in the final well, week of a pregnancy or something, mm-hmm. you know. Norm, the other thing we got we to understand is the difference between government versus non-government action. Because, say, with the postal worker, if it's the U.S. Postal Service, that's the government saying, we're not going to honor your free exercise of religion. But if you're a private citizen, it is different. So yeah. what we call this is state action. So, like, I can't violate your constitutional rights, Norm, because I'm a private citizen. The government can violate your constitutional rights. Um, And then so you would say, well, how is this ever redressed if it's private? Well, the the government has passed laws like uh, Title VII uh, that prohibit discrimination on in some private businesses. And that was a huge controversy at the time. Public accommodation. uh, Because it, it gets to the heart of what we're talking about. Can I be forced in my private practice uh to exercise my art, so to speak, of being a lawyer, my art of building a website, my art of making cakes, my art of fixing cars. Um, can I be forced to serve certain groups that I disagree with? And when I say, can I be forced? What we're really talking about is the government coming at you by force yes. with, with weapons to right. say, you do this or you go to jail. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so like the 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 famous uh, during the civil rights uh, era with Martin Luther King and, you know, Fred Abernathy and, uh, you know, all those great men and women uh, of of all colors. Uh, The the classic case at the Woolworths uh, cafeteria counter where uh, Mm -hmm. in that, I forget what city it was, perhaps Birmingham. It was one of those classic cases where, uh, a, a group of, of blacks went in, sat down at Woolworths and refused to get up and leave. And of course they were arrested and beaten and whatever. Uh, and you know, obviously what you're talking about, title seven public accommodations, you know, followed right on and said, you know, Hey, listen, if you're open to the public as an accommodation, a hotel, a restaurant, you have to serve everybody. It just, well, that, and that came on the heels of, I mean, there's some constitutional amendments. The, what is it? The 13th, 14th, 15th Amendments, um, sort of the anti-slavery amendments. So there's some constitutional in basis for some of that as well yeah. that matters. But, uh, you know, I, I like to think, I like to hope, like Brett, you and I have talked about this. If, if you created a podcast business and you're great at it, right? You, you get people to the table, you help them decide the topics, you figure out what's going to work the best for their business. It's, it's really you, you plug it in sort of holistically into the marketing campaign. Mm-hmm. But then you just say, look, guess what? I don't like gay people. So no gays in my business, no blacks in my business. And if you're black and gay, well, watch out. You don't even you're not even allowed to call me. Um, I would like to think that somebody who is less um, bigoted than you would say, well, whole, 
well, Brett's a fool because exactly. you've got all this business out there. You're leaving on the table. I'm going to represent or I'm going to help only gays and blacks and I'm going to make a crap ton of money doing it. And hopefully you get tamped out of business for being a moron. You know, it's like uh, this is this is like the market. Ha- it may not happen quickly and it may not happen neatly or even linearly. But I think the market can fix a lot of this stuff. Now, affir- back to affirmative action, we we created affirmative action, I think, on the notion that we need to we need to get ahead of it because it's been so bad for so long. We need to get ahead of it. And I'm, and like you, Norm, I'm, I was on board with that. Um, but at some point it tips over the top. And now the policies have been pushed in a direction that I think are it's harmful un- to other groups. Yeah. Yeah. You and know, now the, we've got a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, the the thing is about um, freedom to choose. Uh, <laughs> Uncle Milty, his the, his famous book, is that you know without without economic freedom, freedom to run your business, freedom to run your life economically, you have no liberty. If you don't have the ability to to run your life uh, financially, then you you don't have freedom. Um, and this lady was against the institution of matrimony between people of the same sex. It was her opinion. It was her religious belief. And that's, that's why she wouldn't do it. Now, if, if the government can compel somebody to act against their own conscious conscience, then where do we draw the line? And I'll give a great example. So you've probably heard of this outrageous group called NAMBLA, the National National Association of Man-Boy Love Association or something like of America, NAMBLA, right? So what if NAMBLA went to this website designer and said, you know, we believe that sex between minors and adults should be legal and we want you to design a website that promotes pedophilia to become legal, to become, you know, and matter of fact, they're lowering, you know, the age of rape in many states down to 14. So it's, it's starting to happen actually in the, in the, in the legislative process. But at any rate, what if somebody came to you with that or somebody came to you advancing that, uh, uh, maybe ISIS comes to you, to a website designer and says, you know, we hate the United States and we hate Israel. We hate Jews. And uh, we need you to design a website that, uh, that, that, that puts out all this stuff. Well, can I deny a pro-porn, pro-pedophilia uh, association? Uh, if my conscience says, I, no, I, I find that repulsive. I'm not going to do your website uh, for ISIS or for NAMBLA. So where do you draw the line? If this lady truly believes that it's an abomination for two people of the same sex that's her business. It's in her head. Why are we going to make her do something that's against her own moral beliefs? Well, you can turn down clients. Whether she's it, right or wrong. Yeah, I mean, if, if someone were to approach me and, you know, want to create a podcast about hate speech, whatever, number one, that would be illegal, really can't do it. It might be not a great example, but I have I have the right to say no because I can say no because I don't have enough bandwidth to take you on. I don't have to say anything about that I'm not pro this, pro that. Right. So really, if you don't, well, if you don't say what you're against, you can say no to anything, right? You can and you can't because then, like, if you look at Title Seven, for instance, or you look at uh, and and some of the law and how it's developed there, they they look at uh, statistics, they look at uh, a disparate impact of your policies, 
So they, they've tried in Title VII in discrimination suits um, and in 1983 suits, if you're looking at the federal government doing it, they look for impact of policies that affects uh, a certain race or protected class differently. So they tried to get through that sort of. Um, we're too, we're too uh, busy. Guess, we're too busy. We can't take your business on. They're yeah, trying to, so they're trying to dig a little deeper. Black people. Okay. Well, well and I know, can, that, I, that becomes obvious. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you can have a track record then, I guess. I, I, I don't know. It just, it just seems like there's an answer to that. But at the same time, I may be too simplistic <laughs> in what I'm doing no, and no, looking at too, it. You're too honest. You know, you know well, it's, it's because it, it, I guess if we're, I, I guess, Norm, I like what you did there. And Brett, I like what you're doing because Norm, what you did is what I like to do. You turn it around and look at it the other right. way. So yeah. I were forced to go represent kkk guys and i didn't want to so i look i've been called on some very very controversial cases uh on both sides right and left sure and i you know i've had to decide do i want to represent this person do i not want to represent this person and i i can always find i I do this for different reasons so it doesn't matter to me typically speaking um but I should be able to say no if I don't agree because I'm not going to do the best I can for a person with whom I don't agree. You know, it's like if if I've got those internal uh, biases that that I that would impact how well I represent somebody, I ought to be able to act on it, even if it's disagreeable to, uh, to society as a whole. And it like you like you said, Norm, you can't legislate morality this way and and overcome somebody's moral beliefs by governmental force because. You're going to end up with consequences that aren't good. Like I, I, there's an old quote, like I like my free, freedom straight up, right? It, it, you know, yeah, right. I just take it the way it is, yeah. good and bad. Right. And um, if we start to tinker with that, we end up with absurd results and outcomes. And I do think that maybe on both sides, Brett, this, this, uh, this individual who wouldn't build the website uh, drew a line in the sand and said, I'm not going to do it. And I think the people targeted this individual to say, yes, you are, just to create the the theater that looks like, right. see, this person doesn't like gays, and we should be able to get our right. website. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. not like they can't get their website anywhere else. Yeah, uh, that, it's, it's, it's yeah exactly. Exactly. 100%. It, it, it comes off that way in a certain degree. It's so, like, so Brett, you're the only one. Yeah. Brett, you just, you just said something, mm-hmm. and you know, I, and you said it because you're, you're a loving, nice person. You... <laughs> You know, because you're, downfall, well, you're, sometimes you I are, think. you are a, you are a, you know, I'd like to think I, I am, you know, Christian also, but you are, you're a devout guy and you have a, a strong, a moral compass. And you said, you know, you don't think that you could do a, a, a website for hate, hate speech legally. And and I don't know if that's true or not. So I'm not passing. Well, well uh, create a podcast that has um, hate speech yeah, in it because okay. it, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be uh, you well, wouldn't be able to disseminate it. Well, you well know, let because me, of but anyway, go ahead, go ahead. Right, go ahead, yeah. right, and it, you exactly just yeah. like you couldn't disseminate information about COVID, mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. you couldn't in, d- disseminate information about all kinds of other uh, taboo uh, things which you should have been able to disseminate. And you know, right. and we know many people deplatformed you know, that are now replatformed because it turns out they were right about COVID <laughs> at, at any rate. My point would be, we used to have an ACLU in this country that stood up for the right to people, for, for the right of people to have any opinion they want and to say it out loud. And it, it, back 50 years ago, if we had an internet, they would have said the KKK and the Nazi party and whoever else, if they want to put hate speech on the internet, 
they should be allowed to. The ACLU stood up for the Klan uh, in their court case to march through the Jewish neighborhood of Skokie, Illinois, right? And these are Jewish lawyers at the ACLU standing up for the right of, of, of Nazi sympathizers who killed six million of their own ethnic brothers and sisters over in Europe, right? For their right to put on their little white stupid hats or their armbands and goose step through Skokie, right? And, and why did they do that? They didn't do it because they liked Nazism. And I, you know, if if somebody wants to spew hate, I'm with uh, Steve on on his. He, he often says this: it's a disinfectant. Let them spew their hate. Let them say whatever the hell they want, and then we'll know who they are. Right. Mm-hmm. And then we can counter them with our own intellectual arguments and we can address that. But if it's all shoved underground, pretty soon you have a skinhead movement and it pops up out of nowhere at, you know, some rally or something. And there's a riot and you don't even you don't even know that it exists because you suppressed it. And and then the mold grows, so to speak, in, in the darkness. All right. Well, and, and, and those Jewish yeah. lawyers fought for the Nazis to be able to to do their to parade speak. or whatever it was, to, to, speak. Speak, to speak, because they knew that the, they wanted to have the same right for those Jewish people to walk in the midst there of those go. Nazi people. There you go. Yeah. Wherever I, they might have congregated. It's exact same right. Exact same right. I was a young lawyer working with a, an attorney in town. His name is Benson Wallman, uh, and he was a former ACLU lawyer, and I think he argued in the Supreme Court or worked on a case in the Supreme Court on behalf of the Nazis, and on his wall was the quill framed so you go to supreme court as a lawyer and argue you get a little quill and you get a you get a uh, a document that says you did it and and hanging next to it was a poster of his visit to auschwitz and he was jewish and he said i i keep both those up there to remind me one to remind me of of how bad it can be uh when the government is left unchecked mm-hmm. and another to remind me that we have to have freedoms in order to keep uh, the government in check. You know, it's like he was so insightful about that. That's and fantastic. It really, it brought me to tears when when he explained it. He did it much better than I could ever do. Um, but it was really, really, uh, as a young attorney, to see that uh, yeah. and hear him explain that was was really moving. And we've lost that completely. We've- now it's the opposite. People would suppress all the speech and and presume that their version of freedom their version of right and their version of moral, uh, uh, their moral virtue is the only one uh, that should ever be. And they should have the power to tamp out anything else in existence. And all I need to do is remind everybody of what happened in the last century. You know, it's not like those, I say it all the time, it's not like those ideal, ideologies killed like 200 million people, except they did. Yeah. And it, it's, uh, we're, we're on sort of this tipping point uh, with these cases out of the Supreme Court where, this 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 idea or these concepts are coming to a head in these little microcosm debates about whether school admission is proper or whether cake making can be forced or web design can be forced and whether like you said Brett is there is there hate speech that should not be allowed on a podcast and man it's it's really scary stuff because it never happens um in open light this these kind of your, your freedoms you don't lose your freedoms all at once it happens incrementally 
And this is a wolf coming in sheep's clothing. And if we're not careful, it will it will kill all the sheep. So yeah. uh, with that, guys, we probably had to wrap it up. Or at yeah. least I have to. If you guys yeah. keep don't going. Know. You no. Can, you got breakfast. Good show. Good show. Yeah. Uh, good discussion. Thank you, guys. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. So this has been Common Sense Ohio coming at you from commonsenseohioshow.com. I'm up in mid-Ohio, and I'm about to go watch some races with my sons after I cook an awesome breakfast on a flat top. Uh, you guys can go to work if that's what you want to do. <laughs> um, oh. Actually, I've got work to do up here, too. So if you want to check out the show, uh, please subscribe, like. You can find it anywhere you find it or anywhere you find your podcast. It is there. Um, or if you want to do it the easy way, go to commonsenseohioshow.com. All the icons, the clickable icons are all there. All you have to do is uh, check them out, click. It'll take you right to where you need to go. You can check out Norm's blog, Brett's blog. My blog is a real quick one to check out because there are none. Uh, but uh, the, the other guys are doing uh, yeoman's work to keep me honest. So uh, we are coming at you right from the middle of Common Sense Ohio, at least until now.